Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Sunday Sport. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. Delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Donica Boyle at the Irish Independent and Donica blue and white your colours not just Mead Hill but Everton as well a big win for you guys yesterday yeah they're all out to get us Dave <laughs> they're all out to get us um, yeah, yeah it's been an interesting few years being an Everton supporter um, it hasn't been boring anyway but you know we got, got very au fait with profit and sustainability rules and um, how the whole um, system works and yeah look they, they, they seem to be going in the right direction I'd have absolutely no fear for them at all if if, if there was um, no 10 point deduction there but a very good win yes they're gutsy and brave and I think once you're once they're that I think they're, any team is easy to get behind and Everton are certainly that at the moment a little bit functional maybe at times but definitely uh, you can get behind them which is which is a start at least Not quite a throwback to the, the dogs of war Joe Parkinson Barry Horn uh, era that I remember maybe a bit before your time but uh, certainly not not quite at that no, level No I yet, remember but... the 95 FA Cup <laughs> final I know exactly where I was I was in Mosny um, so uh, we're doing the, the, the I think the, the quiz the, the Community Games quiz was on that weekend so wow. um, yeah that's where I was so they called out the score I think maybe at half time in the quiz Paul Wright at 1-0 and uh, that's the only thing I ever can have won in my living memory and I wasn't even able to watch it so as, there you are. as Mrs Doyle says maybe you enjoy the misery maybe that's what it is um, we're here to talk <laughs> about uh, about Gaelic games across the course of the year and I suppose football mainly but um, I guess maybe not necessarily on the whole I guess your initial thoughts would you would you say it was a vintage year I guess we you know the final was was interesting in its own way it was a it was an interesting one actually just to talk briefly about that one because I actually watched that Dublin Kerry game and I really enjoyed it but a lot of people you know, weren't overly t- delighted with the standard of football, but it was it was very uh, it was certainly a gripping game. Yeah, it was gripping and it was tense. Maybe not uh, uh, lit up with the quality that we maybe expected because because I don't remember an All Ireland final, or I don't know anyone else who did. And I asked a few people this around the time that the build up centered so much on one man, mm. uh, and obviously that was that was David Clifford. So I think when maybe he a couple of his. You know, if you remember, he got away from Mick Simons quite early in the game. Mick Simons actually lost his footing, which is something you almost never see. And you're there like, oh, my God, he's going he's gonna to paint a masterpiece here. And then it kind of slowly unraveled for him. And when it sort of unraveled for him, it unraveled for, for Kerry to a large extent. I actually don't think he had that bad of a final. I know a lot of people, you know, were saying that, you know, that that's... He kicked a lot away, and he did, but he mm. still he contributed a lot of good things too. Not least he made that goal out of nothing. So, yeah, no, it wasn't a vintage final by any stretch, but it was very edgy and tense and nervous. And I think I'm actually doing the piece on the state of football at the minute for for the independent. And I think that's the, the the 
quality of one of the qualities of Gaelic football is now that it is edgy and nervous, and it is one mistake away from mm. from which uh, from the result uh, changing. So, uh, yeah, it was edgy, nervous, tense, but a classic. No, absolutely not. No, um, maybe we'll get a bit more of that this year. I'm sure we'll see David Clifford going up against Dublin plenty of times in the years to come. If we were to talk about uh, the biggest shock of the year, I would suggest that that was the announcement that Mickey Hart was going to take uh, take on the Derry job. The announcement made by Louth on Twitter, I should say as well. But that was, I guess, because it's a more recent thing as well. We might just touch on that. We'll get back to the football on the field in a moment. But that that really took everybody by surprise, not least uh, Loud supporters, I would imagine, and of course Peter Fitzpatrick, who spoke to us about it too. But that was that was big news at at the end of the year when just when you thought everything was settling down and you could maybe take a, a week or two off or a bit of downtime, then that bombshell dropped. What was your reaction when you heard that news? Yeah, I was very surprised, very surprised because you know it felt like everything in Loud was going in the right direction. The team had improved a lot. The players were talking about how great uh, Mickey was, his background team, the coaching, the work they'd done on Darver. You know, just uh, it, it was sort of. But the rising tide was carrying all boats in terms of loud football. The, the stadium was, is, you know, it's still, there's still work to be done there, obviously, but it's, it's moving at the very least, I suppose. Mm. And it just feel, felt like everything was going. And that was just a hammer blow for loud now. And the, it'll be very interesting to see how to go this year. Um, because obviously, Jared Brennan's in and it's his first inter- inter-county job, but he couldn't have any bigger shoes to fill. So um, he's in a in that tricky situation of having to take the bits off the Mickey Hart setup that he that he wants, and there'll be loads of them. But he's also going to have to get the players singing uh, off his hymn sheet, yeah. which will be uh, I, I, I diff- I, I'd imagine quite a tricky thing to uh, a tricky balance to strike. It's it's an interesting juxtaposition, I guess, when you think about it. And this goes for club football and and in county football as well. You know, we've all had managers that we, we, we thought were amazing and fantastic. And when they walk away, there's always a little bit of a void there. And you always feel like, oh, the next guy's not going to be as good. And it does have a little bit of a deflating effect. But when you get somebody in of the calibre of Mickey Hart, you know, the, the the ups are obviously what he brings to the table, his experience. And he's going to he's gonna get as much out of this group. And probably he over he probably maybe in a lot of people's eyes overachieved with this group of players. Got absolutely every little ounce out of them. But... The, the flip side of that is when somebody like him leaves, there's there's, there's almost a bit of a, 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 you know, a communal sigh across the county that when Mickey Hart departs. So it's a really big job, isn't it? And it's a really uh, tricky one for Jared Brennan kind of to set the tone. And I'm sure he's obviously been, been in with the players already. You nearly have to set the tone from day one to say, right, that's that's done. This is this is it now. What we're doing is going to be different to that. We need to kick it on. You proved last year you were good enough. No matter who the manager is, you have to go again. So it's it's a, it's an interesting job he has on his hands here, Jared Brennan, to pick things up again. Yeah, it's it's very unenviable position, particularly because, as you say, the progress Loud have made over the last couple of years, coming from four up to three, established themselves as a Division Two team, Leinster finals, uh, big days out, and I suppose where where Loud come up short this year was the next step, and the next step is by a million miles the hardest step, and that's be to be competitive with the big teams, and I think you saw that, you know, in in the Kerry game in the group stage. I think the Leinster final against Dublin, you know, I, I was at the Kerry game in Port Leash and it was just, now maybe Loud had sort of ran out of legs at that week. I think it was the round three game, if, if memory serves. Yeah. And they'd sort of run out of legs from, from having been quite good against Mayo earlier on in the year. But to, being able to compete at that level consistently is a really, really difficult step to make. And I think you see that, like, for example, with all the teams that come up from Division One a lot of them come straight back down the following year, if not the year after. I think the, the turnover is quite, quite high. So being in the top 
10, 12 teams is one thing, but being in the top five is totally different again. And that's where Loud are at now. They are a, a, an established Division Two team. They're, um, the, the case is there for them being the second best team in Leinster. Like, is it, it's back-to-back Leinster finals, isn't it? So, um, so they, they, that's where they are now. And the next leap is just so difficult to make. And there's so many things that that, that requires. And it requires energy and backing. It requires depth of talent. You need a lot of luck to keep all your best players fit. Um, and that's 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 the difficulty for Loud, and that's the difficulty for Jerry Brennan. He's coming into that job, and that's the first thing he has to do. Is is I suppose you're starting with staying in Division Two, and and then seeing where the championship brings you. I suppose as well, though the you know the the onus is on the players here to, you know, to put their shoulder to the wheel again this year. I know I'm not suggesting they wouldn't for a second, but it would be kind of easy to sort of go, oh, you know, Mickey's gone, and what are we going to do? But if you can do it for Mickey Hart, and Jerry Brennan was part of you know a, a serial winning team with Dublin and he, he knows all about the, the you know the performances at the top level he was part of a Vincent's team that were very successful in, at, at different times as well so you know it's not like they're getting some guy in who's got no experience of high, high level performance like Ger Brennan will, will know as much about this as anybody will so maybe somebody a bit younger who's been at, the high, at a high level in recent times as a player there's no reason to think he can't kick things on a bit more either yeah, well, I think like all the best setups are generally player led. I think like you know you'd hear that time and time again from from even Jim Gavin and that like you know that when 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 fellas start taking things on themselves, that's that's the that's when uh, that's when things really start to improve and all that. And I, I get the impression from talking to various loud players over the last couple of years that they were really tuned in and enjoying and delighted to be playing the football. That, the sort of you know they've had a couple of big results and that that you know breeds confidence and breeds ambition and breeds desire so um like i think i think they, they'll uh i wouldn't be surprised if they if they if they at least maintained their form uh coming into this year um like you know there's the other thing that Jared's done is quite clever is he's brought we've mentioned the fact that it's for senior job but he's brought in a good um backroom team i think that's that's almost important as the manager now, you know, that who's like, we know Niall Mine is involved. Um, James McCartan. Uh, yeah, James McCartan, like in Ireland, who himself won in Ireland and down in the final in 2010 himself as manager. So he's, he's put together like a really significant backroom team. And I do think players respond to good setups. And that looks like on the face of it, a very good setup. So yeah, look, Mickey Hart left in a hurry. But he left a lot of good building blocks uh, behind them as well. So um, I'm in a pretty good position, um, all things considered. Okay, we'll have a quick commercial break. We'll be back with more from Donica after that. Stay with us. You're welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. Donica Boyle of the Irish Independent is on the line with me talking about the year that was in uh, the GAA scene, particularly in the football, I suppose, we're focusing on. We talked about Loud before the break. New manager in there with Gerard Brennan, Colm O'Rourke. We'll go again with me this year. And Donica, he, uh, I don't know if you saw the Secretary's report on uh, during the week that came out, but Colin O'Rourke was reported in a couple of the papers as well, uh, labelled that first half performance against Offaly as uh, one of the worst he can ever remember. And I remember Matty and Brendan on commentary that day as well were, were saying the same. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember if you were working on that game. He may have been, but it was an absolutely no, deplorable It was a deplorable it, yeah, game, though. Matty and, Brendan, Matty and Brendan made it very clear how bad it was on, yeah. on the radio and... You know, it felt like a long way from that uh, from that day to finishing the season with a little bit of hope, and mm. I think that's where we finished up, really, wasn't it? With me, that you know, that things had that uh, I'd be I'd be slow to say things had turned, but maybe certainly 
there was some steps in the right direction uh, in in terms of the course of the, the twenty twenty three season. Yeah, well, it was thirteen so, debutants. Yeah, sorry, it was so, it was just so deflating that game. The second half, I know, was a little better against Offaly, but to, to your point there, where we ended up, where Mead ended up, um, it was looking like like my fear when Mead went into the Talton Cup was that that they were going to get knocked out by by a minnow for the want of a better expression. Not that Mead are any are any um, kingpins themselves at the moment, but. That was my fear that they could lose to somebody and then things would really unravel. But they salvaged what they could from the season really with that with that win. And as you said, a lot of new faces coming in. So it did put a little bit of a, well, a fairly positive um, spin on the season given given how things started off. Yeah, definitely. Because like I suppose the team that in the early part of the championship and the team that finished the um, finished the, the, the Talchon Cup final, you know, there were some significant changes in, in key positions. You know, we saw the emergence of uh, Conor Gray and a couple of other players off his ilk. I think those those fellas will just naturally improve with time and experience. I think that's probably the most exciting thing about uh, the Mead team at the minute. But as I mentioned with Loud, like it, it, it's it's fine being, you know, coming out of that group and and fair play to Mead to be the down team who absolutely annihilated uh, uh, Leach in their semi final. Yeah. And but and not only that, they beat them twice as well. So it was no accident. And Mead finished that game very strong. And I would I would say that what won that game for Mead as much as anything else is what they could unload from the bench, both talented footballers and big physical men as well. Because I think at the end of that game, Down were just kind of running out of ideas and getting turned over. And they were really struggling with the size and the power of Mead, which is positive going forward because that is uh, another of the fundamentals you need. Like you need great athletes now to the way the game has been played. And and Mead are getting them through and bringing them through at the moment. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, that year one for Colin O'Rourke, like he's, some of the, the the things he said when he came in uh, to take the job, first of all, and he was talking about uh, catching up on Dublin and making ground and beating Dublin, like it would make you wince a little bit because you're like, there's such a gulf there. Mm. But I suppose after year one, you know, he's, he's, he's made a lot of... Uh, positive steps I suppose you call them yeah and but I go back to I mean I remember when Andy McIntyre got the job and he spoke to us on the show here and I think is I'm paraphrasing slightly but he he sort of said he wasn't comfortable with this notion of of Meath being in Dublin's shadow so he he wasn't wasn't maybe quite as vehement as Colin O'Rourke was but I guess if you're coming in as manager I'm sure look Colin O'Rourke wasn't expecting to be challenging Dublin anytime soon but you probably have to you know set down set down that as one of your targets in 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 the longer term um Clearly, there's a bigger gap between Mead and Dublin now than there would have been when when Sean Boylan took over first, and it's it's a different game altogether. But given the as we said earlier that performance against Offaly, I actually wondered. I was joking with uh, with Fergal Lynch, who you'll know well, of course, before the Talton Cup final. I wondered what the reaction would be from from Donald Keoghan with the trophy lift, whether they whether they'd give it socks or whether they'd be a little bit subdued. I needn't have worried about that, but you know because I guess they wouldn't have wanted to be in that competition. But they they grasp with both hands, and as you, as you said. Jack Flynn and all these other players, Conor Gray, that came through. A lot of those players that that made a name for themselves during that competition. Maybe in an, in a way, it was a bit of a blessing in disguise because they got to they got to play a run of games here out of the kind of a, the, the harsher spotlight of the the main competition and get some confidence and and some momentum and and come away with a bit of silverware at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think um, I call him O'Rourke referred to it at the end. He said, "Look, the, the fact that during the Talchon Cup, it." it hasten the speed of change and how quickly you could bring fellas in um you know and, and we mentioned that he used 13 that's an extraordinary number um for for a team but i look i think me that 
like Westmead have done the Tajan Cup uh, a great service yeah. because when they won the inaugural one, they brought it home. I think there was pictures from Mullingar. The streets were full. They went on the holidays. They celebrated it. And then they went into the All-Ireland Series this year and were very competitive. They were actually unlucky not to get more out of uh, their All-Ireland Series group games than they did. I know they went very close against Armagh. They were a John Heston free away from, uh, was it drawn with Tyrone and progressing and knocking Tyrone out? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, you know, Westmead on, on two fronts have done the Tangent Cup a great service. One, they celebrated it with gusto when they won it. And two, they went into the All-Ireland Series last year as the reward for winning the Tangent Cup. In 2023, and to performed admirably, performed very well. So I, I think the Tajikistan Cup now, it, that was the first one was very important for how it was received because football has a very peculiar um, relationship with grades. It always yeah. has. It's yeah. always struggled with the idea of teams being excluded from the race for Sam Maguire, and it, it's quite bizarre when you look at the GA as a whole at club level, Camogie ladies football we have grades everywhere yeah. but the one thing we don't have grades in is the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship mm-hmm. so to get uh, the Tatching Cup up and running and it was reasonably well it's been well received for the first two years I think that's uh, that was very important for the competition itself very important that as you say Donald Kogan and Mead celebrated with with, uh, with Gusto as well and they did and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Mead get on now because as I say Westmead were very competitive last year they showed they deserve to be in the All-Ireland series and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Mead get on next year they're, they're obviously guaranteed Sam Maguire football now There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, and I guess we're looking at a, sm- at a small sample size at the moment with the Talton Cup, just two seasons done. But when you think back to the Tommy Murphy Cup and, and how that was received and it kind of died on the vine, a lot of teams just didn't didn't buy into it at all. Um, in fairness to the GEA, they have, I think they kind of knew that it was make or break with this Dunnock, right? And they needed to give it a, a proper bit of promotion. And even down to the sort of sort of newer bits of, a bits of um, promotion <laughs> that they've done on, online where they have like the two captains or two of the players from each of the teams sitting down across from each other asking each other questions and it's all a bit lighthearted and a bit of crack but it's it's something different and it shows that they're making an effort to try and promote this thing and to not just have it as something that gets forgotten about and it's gotten a reasonable amount of coverage on, on, the, on the television and on the radio as well which again is important because I think with these competitions sometimes as we talked about the, the Tommy Murphy before it's almost like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sap to, to, to these counties. You go off and play in this, you're not going to get a whole lot of coverage, but you know, you're expected to take it seriously. So I think the GA do deserve a bit of credit. And we give them enough of criticism, don't don't you know? But they deserve a bit of credit for the, the amount of promotion and the effort they put into this. Yeah, and, and the thing about that is Dave, it, it's kind of new ground for the GA to have to go out and push something 
because like in terms of the, the, the Liam McCarthy and Sam Maguire competitions, they completely and totally sell themselves. There's very little you have to do to tell people about um, Dublin playing Kerry or Mayo in Dublin or Kerry Cork or meet yeah. in Dublin in its heyday. You know, those all those fixtures sold themselves. The tickets sold themselves. The, the people went out and bought the newspapers to listen to the, the interviews on radio because people just wanted to naturally know. But as you rightly say, they had to go out and put, sell the Talchin Cup. One, to the counties it would, it would involve and two, to the people who would go to matches. So I think they've done a pretty good job of that. Uh, and, you know, that was... It, the competition wouldn't have been celebrated the way it was if it wasn't taken seriously. Um, you know, it, it possibly has opened the door for um, for a third tier. Now, not today or tomorrow, but mm. I, I, in time, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if there's a third tier in the championship because there's still teams in football that are well off being able to win the Talchon Cup. So yeah. if you ask yourself, can does everyone have a, a chance of winning the Talchon Cup? You'd say no, they don't. Well you look at the they score really you don't. look at the score in that down leash semi final. I mean that was an annihilation and that's the last four. So that's your that that's case in point there. Yes, exactly. And so you know it it, it won't be as I say it won't it's not coming soon. But I think the door is open now for a third. I think when the Talchon Cup establishes that fully and firmly, what you're probably going to see is it's going to be picked up by the likes of Mead and Westmead, who you'd say are, say, mid-ranked Division Two teams at the moment. So that's still a long way from, say, your Division Four side. So um, in time, there could be appetite for that. And maybe you'd be able to run it alongside the Talchon Cup um, as well. But no, I, I think the Talchon Cup has made a very strong start to life and it needed to because if the counties involved sensed any way that it was going to be somehow an afterthought, I think they would have uh, washed their hands off it and, and so far it hasn't. So and that's, it, that, it's, it's good good for everyone. And it's all about incentivization here as well. Like the, 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 the holiday, we saw a few photographs of the Mead lads away there a week or two ago is one thing, but getting that place in the in the, the group stage, the knockout stage, whatever you want to call it, of the All-Ireland Senior Championship to Sam Maguire, like that's massive because even as a Mead supporter now, the league grand, it's going to be tough next year, but you have, and you want to go into the championship off the back of a good league, but you have that um, that knockout or that, that group phase, I should say, competition to look forward to and pitch your wits against the best teams and to, to find out where you are, really. Yeah, you're guaranteed three top-class games, uh, championship games in, in the group stage now, me there. Um, I still think they have plenty of work to do in Division 2. That Division 2 next year is is very difficult looking, but yeah. uh, with with some, they can they can go into that with some of the pressure off. I think we saw some of that pressure this year in that, you know, the, where Mead finished in the league was going to, uh, every chance it was going to define their, uh, their championship season. So there was a lot of heat on in, in, in the first few months of Colin Maroc's year. And maybe you could see that telling a little bit, particularly then as well in that Offaly game, which just sounded like a, like a no-show from Mead. And now you're at the stage where uh, they're in Division 2. They're in a difficult division, but one they won't be afraid of either by any stretch. And they know that no matter what, they have three top-class championship games. And I think all the counties last year, like the likes of Westmead, showed that it's, it's doable. Getting the result on a given day, Loud showed it as well. Getting the result on a given day against one of the top sides, like Loud, probably feel like they should have beaten Mayo last year or should have came very close to it. Um, that, you know, they, there's nothing to be feared there in terms of a one-off day. There's a chance on a, on a day that you can catch out one of those teams, which is really the next thing for me now. And, and for Loud is to take a big championship scalp um, in the next 12 months. 
Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Division 2 next year. Just take a look at it. It's um, like a mini Ulster Championship. You've got Armagh, yes. uh, Cavan, Fermanagh, Donegal, Cork, Kildare, Loud and Mead. So Ulster, uh, Leinster, and then one one Munster team in there. Um, <laughs> Division 2 is always, it's always so, so... And in a lot of ways, maybe, and maybe it's just because me, they're in it most of the time and Loud as well lately, but it almost feels like a nearly a more interesting one than, than Division 1 a lot of the time, Donica, because those teams that are just below that top level are striving to get into it and we remember the scenes in Park Talton a few years ago when Barry Dardis who was in a couple of weeks ago buried that penalty against Kildare and raised the roof in Park Talton and for me to get into Division 1 after a few years of coming up short I think they missed out on scoring difference or head to head one year so that's how big of a deal it was to get into Division 1 so Division 2 is is kind of almost where it's at to to a large extent but it's it's cutthroat looking even just looking at the teams in it yeah, it, it is. I, I would say that in terms of ability and where they're at at the moment, you could throw a blanket across all those teams. You named the eight teams there, uh, Dave. You do very well to pick the two teams who finish top and the two teams who finish bottom. I don't think there's an obvious... obvious. You, you could maybe make the case that in that company, maybe Fermanagh will struggle. But Fermanagh have shown themselves to be quite a decent league team on mm-hmm. occasion over, over the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure I remember them coming to uh, Navin under Rory Gallagher some time ago and... Uh, they had a chance to go uh, into Division One that year, so they're they're, they're um, but uh, like so basically the point is that there's eight very similarly ranked teams in that in that division. A lot of it could come down to home and away matches. You know how many have you got at home? Many have you got away? Who have you got at home? Who have you got away? Mm. So, but it will be it'll be very very uh, tight to call. Meet have that breathing space uh, because they know they're going to uh, Sam Maguire football. Everyone else will be clambering to get as high up the league table as they can to to ensure Sam Maguire football. So it's going to be a, a dogfight right from the off. I think you'll see, I think this year, this is the second year of this new system. I think this year you'll see teams maybe timing their run a little bit better. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a couple of teams come out early on in the uh, in the league, pick up a few wins, secure their Sam Maguire football and maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit, even as far as into the provincials and then run again for the, for the group stages. Because... Timing and periodization, as I think the SNC fellas call it, yeah. that's going to be very important because I don't think you can go. And I think you saw that with Mayo last year. I'm not sure you can go hammer and tongs early on and sustain that all the way through to June or July when when the big matches are decided. So uh, it can be very interesting to see what teams have learned from 2023 and how they approach 2024. So just uh, to wrap up on on Meath and now then, and in, in terms of next year for from the league for the league point of view, first of all, um. What what are you expecting from both sides, or, or rather, should I say, what would represent a good league campaign? Are are either one of those sides equipped to mount a, a promotion challenge? I mean, Loud were right in the mix for promotion last year, right up until the final day. I think uh, Mead not so much as we know, but are they are they both a little bit off that for next season? You think it's probably a little bit hard to, to say, but um, what represents it's a good league? To say, Dave, but I think I think that like. There's no like they look at that table and they know it would be very difficult, but there's not there's nothing to be afraid of either. Like there's a few variables there. Like Kildare are very good on their day. I, I've always thought, but that's the issue is when will their day come? You know, they, they can be excellent sometimes, and other times they can be a little bit off it. Um, and no Newbridge this year either. No new, yeah, no Newbridge. Um, you know, Armagh probably should be higher ranked in most people's minds considering the games they lost on penalty shootouts. You know, they should. They could argue that they could be also champions having beaten Derry. 
uh, but they lost to a penalty shootout and they lost to Monaghan as well. So there would have been was an All Ireland semi final this year. So they're a serious outfit. Um, Cavan have bounced up and down from Division Two to Division One, and that experience is is, is very relevant in, in Division Two. What are Donegal Bunny like on the gym? There's so many variables there. It's very hard to know what it is. I think a lot of teams would be like you know will be quite happy just to be not get to maintain their status because there's so many difficult fixtures there. Um, and then look, the road will open up for somebody and they'll get a bit of momentum at, at some stage. But you know, I think Mead and Loud, if they can maintain their Division Two status and try and strike a blow in the championship, I I, mm. I think that's. Uh, I don't think that'd be a bad year at all when you look at that table because it's so difficult. Yeah, and unconfirmed rumours that Jimmy McGuinness has reached out to Donald Trump to help build that wall up in Donegal, but I will see. <laughs> we'll see how that works out for him. Fifty grand, I think he was talking about looking for that. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Nothing like a bit of power, paranoia in the GEA. We'll take one more quick commercial break. Back with a bit more from Donegal after that. Stay with us. You're welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. Donegal Boyle of the Irish Independent is still online. Donegal, in the last uh, five minutes or so that we have with you, I did want to start with this because everybody would turn off straight away. But the uh, playing rules at the minute, there's a lot more discussion going on. There's things being trialled in the Freshers games and the ball being kicked outside the 45, whatever. Um, are you getting the sense that there's going to be any major change coming down the tracks? Is there anything you think they need to look at? Because almost every week in the off-season, there's another article in the paper from a journalist, a former player, about what needs to be done. Some are radical, some are not so much. What do you think or what would you like to see? You're watching all these games week in, week out. Well, uh, first of all, I think that the game is in a bit of a state of flux at the minute. Um, I, I did a piece with Frankie Dolan ahead of the St. Bridges Corrigan game today and we were talking about that rivalry they struck up over the last 10 or 15 years. And just naturally it moved into the state of the game and Frankie has some very strong views and it. He just thinks it's it's just a very bad product and very unappealing uh, to both uh, players and the supporting public. Mm. Um, and I suppose maybe I, I go to a game every weekend. It's usually a higher end game, and you absolutely there is a uniformity to how football is played at the minute. You know, it is that counter attacking style: hit them on the turnover, don't make mistakes, don't give the ball away. You know, risk averse stuff that. And it, there's almost a copycat element out there now that everyone is playing the same way. And to some extent, it's understandable because, you know, if, if, if we put out two teams against each other and I leave four forwards up and you get everyone behind the ball, you're going to, you know, run it, run it through me, no problem at all. So I, I understand the frustration with the game. Um, in terms of a fix, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Like, uh, there's always unintended consequences to rules that are brought in you know we always go back to the when the black card came in and you know it was brought in to uh, tackle cynical play and i think it was one of the dublin mayo games whatever year it was and dublin one of the first things they did towards the end of the game was kieran kilkenny pulled down his man all the dublin forwards to a man pulled down their man mm. and slowed down the game david clark didn't have time to get the ball away when he put the ball down tried to get it away he kicked it out over the sideline and it just killed the game and the rule was being used against itself because by the time the referee completed the paperwork, yeah. Dublin were in position, it was hard to get the ball out and the rule was nearly turned on itself. Mm. So uh, these unintended consequences. So all the ideas, maybe one of the best ones is 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 13 aside because I'd certainly like to see a trial because it takes four players out of the game. It means there's four less players behind the ball. Um, and, you know, there's an obvious and quick benefit to that. But... You know, as somebody's made the point to me, does that mean that the teams who play with one or two up 
do they just stop leaving those one or two players up now because yeah. you've taken two players off their team? Yeah. So it's very, very hard to know how it would play out. Like, and, and that's the that's the issue with all these things. I think they need extensive trialing because managers and coaches and players, and as well, and it is their right, they will push the rule, whatever rule you bring in, to the absolute limit, and 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 even go beyond it. Yeah, and so it, it's. Uh, it's the unintended consequences, Dave, of these rules that is the real thing. And they're very hard to see until we actually put them in action. Yeah, and the other thing about it as well, I suppose, is not just the fact, not just the unintended consequences in terms of like how the game is going to look with these new rules. It's how they're actually monitored by a referee who's got enough to be doing as it is. And if a ref is, had to, yes. is having to count, all right, are there six lads inside the 45 at this moment in time? Did one lad have one foot outside the 45 when the ball was kicked in? You know, all this kind of stuff, which is what's going to happen if we if we talk about, you know, keeping a certain amount of players inside the 45. Are we then going to need an extra pair of eyes to keep an eye on this, you know, the whole way through the match? But anyway, it's not something to get into now, but that's, and, and that's the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know, that's the other big part of this. So if you if you are, are playing in, in, in back of the week after it comes in, who's refereeing the game? How is he going to, who's going to, referee and tell you how many players run the line maybe he's doing the it's a league match he's doing it on his own he doesn't have sideline officials with him or or umpires or whatever so he doesn't have any help and it almost becomes unmanageable at that stage and i think like the referees have made this point they did a piece of morris deegan re- recently and he made this point like you know all these rule changes that have to be workable for referees first yeah. i think that's maybe our starting point that if the referees can't don't think they can enforce it then it's all it's a bad idea it's bad practice already so I think they need to be front and centre of anything. But I, I definitely, when I go to matches now, the first half is, sometimes it can be a drag, like there's no point in, in, in saying it any other way. Sometimes it can just be a bit of a grind to get through it. The second half always gets a little bit better because legs get a wee bit tired, gaps start to open up, and, and the game does improve a bit as a spectacle. But yeah, it, 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 there is a uniformity to get a couple how it's played at the minute. And it doesn't always make for great watching. The, the rule makers also the rule makers also need to consider the uh, the poor journalists and all this who are going to these games week in week out. On it, you need to make that point clear as well to the <laughs> to the powers that be. They need to take your views into consideration. Being out there every week watching this, but look, at, I don't know if we're going to see any major changes in the next little while. But certainly, uh, we'll keep a close eye on it. There seems to be so many different views out there, and as you said, unintended consequences. And if all the different suggestions out there were actually trialled it'd be another 10 years before we got to any decision so we'll just have to wait and see what happens well listen Donegal Boyle Irish in and thanks so much for taking the time to join us and looking back on the uh, on the year we could have spent another hour probably talking about it but thanks so much for joining us and it's probably uh, a little bit early to say it but it's the 3rd of December so we can wish you and uh, your family up there a happy Christmas and thanks for taking the time thanks Dave happy Christmas thank you LMFM Sunday Sport With thanks to the LMFM app Download for free now And take us with you everywhere you go Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 